All right, let's get started. Uh, welcome and uh, good afternoon. Uh, thanks everyone for joining us uh, here to do a deep dive into uh, EC2 T2 instances. Uh, my name is Luke Hoban. I work on the EC2 team uh, in AWS. Uh, and with me is Scott Burks from Pearson, uh, the world's largest education company. And together we're going to uh, spend the next uh, hour or so um, talking about T2 instances. We're going to talk about the what, the why, and the how of T2 instances. Um, and we're going to give that perspective both from the product perspective uh, and also from the perspective of a customer who's using T2 instances heavily um, for cost savings um, and to get uh, really good performance out of those instances. So what will we cover today? A uh, few things. First, well, I'll take a look at sort of the core EC2 instance families and the core portfolio of EC2 instances we offer and take a look at how uh, T2 instances fit within uh, the rest of the EC2 portfolio. Uh, we'll take a look at the T2 credit model, which is really the one unique characteristic of T2 instances uh, that, that is worthwhile to understand to really make sure you can use T2 instances most effectively uh, in your applications. Uh, we'll hear from Pearson, from Scott, about how they're using uh, T2 instances, what their migration was like, how they understood where to use T2 instances and where not to use T2 instances. And we'll also hear a little bit about some of the guidance they use internally for when T2 instances uh, are the right fit for them. Uh, we'll take a look at a few uh, workloads, which can be really good fits uh, for T2 instances. Uh, and finally, a few tips uh, for when you do start using T2s, um, things to, to pay attention to and to think about uh, for those uh, needs. So to get started, I wanted to sort of give some of the background uh, on T2s. Uh, so we introduced the T family uh, into EC2 in 2010 with the introduction of the T1 micro. Uh, and the T1 micro introduced this notion of bursting, uh, which was giving really good performance, but for applications which didn't need to use the CPU all of the time. Uh, so if your application was one that used the CPU occasionally or irregularly, uh, T1 micros could give you a really good experience uh, at a lower price. We uh, expanded this in 2014 when we introduced the T2 Micro, T2 Small, uh, and T2 Medium. Uh, and T2 really did three things. Uh, one, it was a significantly uh, higher performance uh, offering than T1. Uh, two, it was cheaper than T1. And three, it offered uh, these three sizes, so you could fit uh, more types of workloads uh, into the instance. Uh, we followed that up. Uh, these T2 instances, after we launched them, um, were, were one of the fastest growing uh, families we saw. And so we saw a lot of demand for exp expanding uh, the product line. Uh, so in t last year, we introduced the T2 Nano at the small end with 512 megs of RAM and the T2 Large at the top end uh, with eight gigabytes of RAM. One other notable thing about uh, T, the T family has been that this has been uh, the instance that's available in the free tier for EC2. So T instances tend to be one of the first things that many uh, customers new to EC2 uh, used for the first time. Uh, and so that means that a lot of customers have some usage of these, um, but uh, some of the details are not as familiar. Uh, just yesterday, we actually announced two new sizes uh, in the T2 family, the T2 Extra Large and the 2X Large. And these were actually based on, as we saw the usage of T2 instances uh, across our fleet, uh, we saw that there were a lot of customers using the, the largest sizes, the medium and large T2s. Um, and they were using these for the cost savings they offered for the applications which didn't need to use the CPU all that heavily. And we were getting a lot of asks for expanding that up to even larger sizes for workloads which needed that additional memory, the 16 gigabytes uh, and 32 gigabytes of RAM that these offer. 
And so this is something that we're, we're going to sort of continue to look at, is expanding this line of burstable instances uh, to address more and more uh, scenarios going forward. So before we get into the details of T2, uh, I did want to sort of take a look at uh, how T2 fits with the rest of uh, the EC2 families. Uh, so most folks are probably familiar with our core uh, sort of compute offerings, our C family, our M family. Uh, our R4, which we actually just uh, made available yesterday, uh, is, the, is the newest one in that family. Uh, and the X1, which we introduced earlier this year. And these core compute offerings, uh, you'll see sort of each one has a different kind of ratio of, of compute to memory. Um, and the combination of all three gives a lot of options, both on how big overall you want your instance to be, and how you want to balance uh, the availability of memory, uh, CPU, and, and networking. And so together, these sort of expand all the way from very compute-intensive workloads, like batch compute jobs, all the way up to very memory-intensive workloads, like large memory databases. So this is the core uh, offerings. Uh, now, I should also note that both of these are sort of uh, logarithmic axes. So this actually covers a, a very wide spectrum uh, of, of uh, sizes here. Um, but, uh, but I'm trying to fit it on a, on a simple chart like this. So we've got logarithmic axes. So how does T2 fit into this? Uh, so T2 instances, uh, you can see, sort of uh, accomplish two things as they, as they relate to the rest of the EC2 instance family. The first is that they give you the option of some smaller sizes. Uh, so if you have an application which needs a smaller amount of total compute and you want to still package that as an EC2 instance, uh, we now have offerings at the half a gig, one gig, and two gig uh, sizes uh, in the T2 family. The larger sizes actually play a different role. Uh, they give you a lower cost way of doing things which you, there were alternate instances. Uh, in the case of the um, uh, T2 medium, that's similar to a uh, C4 large in terms of the core specifications of the instance. Uh, and in terms of the T2 large, X large, and 2X large, those are going to be similar to the equivalent M4 instances in terms of the specs. But again, they're going to give you that burstable instance uh, at a lower cost. And so really those are the two sort of core things to think about in terms of how uh, a T2 instance might fit uh, within your applications. So that kind of gets to the core of how I like to think about T2 instances generally. T2 instances uh, can offer a really great performance at a low price for workloads which do not need to use the CPU all of the time. Now the really key thing to this uh, is that it turns out the far, far majority of instances that run in EC2 actually don't use the CPU all that heavily. There certainly are some applications which are, are really maxing out their CPU, but most applications uh, do not. And so there's actually quite a lot of applications which are really good candidates for the cost savings that T2 offers. And we'll take a look at some examples of that uh, in a second. But really, this is the sort of key thing I want you to keep in mind uh, as we talk through the rest of the details here. All right, so I, I mentioned it's great performance. Uh, so let's get into a little more detail about what that means. Uh, so how many people here uh, knew that a T2 instance uh, uh, burst performance was higher than a C4 instance? Raise your hand. Okay, a couple. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think this is one of the things that surprises a lot of people about the T2 instances. Is, um, uh, I think because of the, the T1 micro and, and things like that and the experience people had in the past, uh, it's often thought that maybe T2 instances are less performant uh, than some of the other instances in EC2. 
And it actually turns out that T2 instances offer really good performance while they're in that burst mode. Um, so some of the best performance that you can get in EC2 uh, is actually what you get with the T2 while it's, uh, while it's in burst mode. And so these two graphs show how a T2 medium and a C4 large uh, compare. And you see sort of two things. One is that the T2 medium is about 40% uh, higher uh, effective performance while it's bursting. Uh, and then when after it's, uh, if you run out of burst credits, uh, then its performance does go down beneath that. Uh, similarly, for a T2 large compared with an M4 large, there's an even bigger gap. Uh, there it's about a 60% uh, higher performance, um, but the gap uh, at the baseline level is a little bit less, as you can see there. So really, the key takeaway here is as long as you don't run out of credits, you're going to get really great performance. And so as we look through all the examples of where T2s fit really well, they, they, they make the most sense when your application fits within that amount of credits uh, that it gets given um, so that it can burst all the time that it needs to use the CPU. Uh, the, the question there was, are those both supposed to be T2 medium? Uh, they're actually not. Um, a T2 medium and a C4 large are very similar specifications, and a T2 large and an M4 large are actually very similar specifications. So these are sort of the, the, the instances that are most uh, comparable here. Um, similar charts to the one on the right would apply for the T2X large and, uh, and 2X large as well. Okay, so let's look at a few of the examples uh, of where uh, this can kind of make sense and the kind of workloads that are really going to fit within this well. So the first one is sort of occasional bursts with a low average. Um, and so one of the examples I like to, to talk about here is sort of continuous integration servers and build servers and that sort of thing. Um, and we've seen a lot of usage of T2s in these kinds of, uh, in these kinds of workloads. Um, and so this is sort of, I, I made up this particular uh, graph here, but it's sort of uh, suggestive of this kind of workload where it's, it's very bursty, the short bursts uh, as we're doing a build or, or whatever is, uh, is coming along uh, in the, the build server. And uh, there's lots of these bursts, but they're kind of uh, spread out a bit. Um, so there's the, the server is not running workloads nonstop. Uh, and so here you might have something where your average over 24 hours of CPU utilization, um, based on this data here, is about 5%. So it's not that much, you know, not using the CPU all that heavily, but you are really taking advantage of the fact that when you are using the CPU, when that build is running, you're getting really good performance. So you're delivering that build back to the, the developer as quickly as possible. And so this combination of while you need the CPU, you need really fast CPU uh, and a lot of uh, horsepower, but you don't need it all the time is sort of the, the key thing that you're sort of seeing here. And so this can be a good fit for really any size of T2, uh, from a T2 nano uh, all the way up to a T2-2x large, really depending on how much memory you kind of need uh, to run those build jobs uh, on your build server. A second example, uh, which is sort of qualitatively a bit different, is, uh, is this example of longer bursts but less often. Um, and so for this, you might be talking about sort of a virtual desktop application or a line of business application within an enterprise. Uh, and in this case, you know, you can sort of see the business hours there, right, where the application has a period of the day uh, where it's getting a lot more usage. And then outside of that period of the day, the usage is much, uh, much reduced. In this sort of example, uh, you might have the case that during the, the business hours, the usage is actually somewhat high uh, in a virtual desktop uh, example. Uh, that user may be spending a lot of time, you know, uh, editing Excel documents or whatever, and they're actually using a little bit of CPU um, during that period of the day. 
But again, because there's these long periods of the day where it's not getting used, the average, again, is quite low. In this case, maybe about 10%. And so I think in this case, uh, there's sort of two examples here. For the line of business applications, those are things which often can be sort of compressed down into, into small, uh, small size instances, uh, like a one gigabyte T2 micro. Uh, and that T2 micro can be used to sort of run each of those line of business applications, which don't have that heavy of demand on the CPU, uh, but can be delivered in these small sizes. For virtual desktops, you, you, your users may need more memory. And so again, you're going to scale up to, to meet the sort of memory demands uh, of, of your customers in that scenario. So of course, there's going to be applications which aren't a good fit for T2. And it is important to recognize that as well. Um, in this example, maybe we have a video transcoding uh, worker job. Uh, and this is something where we're going to maintain very high CPU utilization uh, uh, almost all the time. Uh, and so here, you know, your average utilization over 24 hours is about 80%. And this is the kind of thing where you're going to want to go and uh, use a, an instance like a C4 um, that really can have uh, full-time uh, high performance. The good news, of course, is uh, EC2 instant, uh, offers lots of instances uh, that give you that uh, kind of performance. And so for those applications uh, which need this kind of performance, uh, that's what you should use. Okay, so that's a quick overview of some of the sort of where you might think about um, uh, using T2 instances. Now, I've talked so far really about these average utilization. We talked about sort of the 5% and 10% and 80% uh, average over 24 hours. Um, but let's get a little bit into the details of kind of what the model is underneath that and how it enables you to make sure that an application which only uses the CPU about 10% on average uh, will be able to get burst all the time. So a T2 instance um, has this notion of credits. Uh, and a T2 instance gets CPU credits. Uh, and each credit provides the performance of one CPU core. And this is actually important that it offers a full CPU core, not a, not a hyperthread, which is what most EC2 instances offer. It offers a full CPU core uh, for one minute. So every credit that you see uh, will be one minute worth of using a CPU at 100%. So an instance earns CPU credits at a constant rate. And so every different size of, uh, earns a different number of credits uh, per minute. Um, and so as long as that instance is turned on, it's going to be earning credits. And then it can consume credits whenever it wants to burst and use the CPU. So whenever you try and use, uh, you know, use some CPU, that will use up some of your credits. And then credits expire uh, every 24 hours. So the credits you earned 24 hours ago, we expire 24 hours later. And this is what really makes sure that that sliding window was going to average over the last 24 hours of your utilization. And so really, the, the net result of all of this is kind of what I was talking about in the previous examples, which is that uh, at the high level, you really just have to think about, is my average utilization over a trailing 24-hour window higher or lower than the amount of, uh, of burst capacity I get with a T2 instance? And so for sort of the gory details of that, this is what we have uh, in the documentation for T2 instances. Each size, uh, you'll see, gets an initial number of CPU credits. Um, and so this means that when you start up a T2 instance, even before you've earned any credits from running the instance, we, we want to make sure you have enough to do all the setup tasks you want to do on that instance. And one thing you'll notice is that every one of these um, instance sizes offers 30 minutes of running at full CPU utilization of all of the cores. Uh, so the first three there each have one core, second two have two cores, and then X large and 2X large have four uh, and eight cores respectively. 
And so that means that no matter what T2 instance you run, you can run it full out at 100% CPU utilization for 30 minutes uh, before you'll even start using up the credits that you're earning. So CPU credits earned per hour, um, this is sort of how fast you're going to earn those credits. Uh, and so, you know, for instance, for a T2 medium, you're going to earn 24 uh, minutes worth of, uh, of running at full uh, performance every hour. Uh, and so what that turns into is the number you see in the third column, which is the base performance. So this is 24 divided by 60 is 40%. Uh, so that's the, the base uh, uh, utilization that you're able to use a T2 uh, medium for. Now, the important thing to notice is that this is of a single CPU core. Uh, so a T2 medium has two cores. So you can use one 40% of the time, or you can use two 20% of the time. And either one of those is going to count the same uh, in how a T2 does that accounting. The other sort of uh, last important thing to notice here is the maximum earned CPU credit balance. So this is like how much over that 24 hours of time, how much can you accrue so that when, if you have a really uh, intense burst of, of, uh, of CPU needs, uh, you can sort of uh, build up a lot of uh, capacity and credits and then use it. As I mentioned, this is the 24-hour period. Um, and so each of these is going to be how much can I accrue over 24 hours so that then I can start spending it uh, later in that day. So all of this is really just the details. Um, it's not super important to pay attention to all the specifics here. Um, it's useful to know this model, though, uh, when you look at how uh, we expose some of this data through CloudWatch metrics. So the CloudWatch metrics that we expose for T2s, we offer um, two additional CloudWatch metrics that are unique to T2 instances. There's the CPU credit balance uh, and the CPU credit uh, usage. And these two metrics give you visibility into how those credits that you're, you're uh, earning and spending are, are counting uh, for each one of your instances. They also give you the ability to create alarms and things like that uh, to understand when you're potentially at risk of running out of credits or to look at some of your applications and make sure that, um, that they're getting that burst capacity uh, as much of the time as they need to. And finally, of course, as CloudWatch metrics, you can hook these up to other uh, automation for instance, using these to scale automatically uh, as your credit balance uh, gets low. So with that, one of the things I wanted to do was quickly um, show you a demo of some of that uh, in action inside the console to give you a sense for what that feels like. Can we switch over to the laptop? Great. Okay. Um, so here I have a T2 medium instance. Uh, and T2 mediums, as I mentioned earlier, are one of our uh, more popular sizes of T2 instances. And so this T2 medium I have running in, uh, in the Ohio uh, region. And let's go over and look at the monitoring tab. Uh, so I'll show you, this is an instance that I started this morning, and I immediately ran a uh, very compute-intensive workload on this. Uh, and so you'll see uh, when I started the, the workload there, it immediately popped up to almost 100% CPU as I ran a very heavy CPU workload on this. Uh, and then over a period of time uh, here, its performance... Uh, sort of slowed down until it got to about 20% here. And I mentioned that's the baseline. Once you kind of run out of credits, you're going to get down to that 20% uh, baseline performance. And then I stopped running the workload. So we, didn't, we weren't using the CPU at all uh, after that. So that's, that's what you would get from the normal CPU utilization CloudWatch metric. But let's take a look at what that looks like in terms of CPU credit balance. So this is during that same period of time. Uh, you'll notice I started at 60 CPU credits. So that's that 30 minutes uh, of, of running full out that I get with a T2 instance. And then uh, I slowly went down 
uh, over that 30 minutes until I got down to near zero. Uh, and as I got down to near zero, this is where you saw that performance being reduced back down to that 20% stage. When I stopped running this task, I started earning credits again. And so this has just started going up. And this will go up again until I get to about 24 hours, and it'll hit a peak, and it'll sort of flatten out um, once I've accrued all the credits I can on this instance, as long as I don't use any of them. And so this sort of gives you, this is not what you'd actually be doing with any real instance, but it gives you a sense of kind of what uh, that, those curves look like and how the CPU utilization is related to uh, the CPU credits. The other interesting thing to show here is that I've uh, added an alarm, uh, which is at this 10 uh, CPU credit balance level. And so these alarms are a way that I can make sure that if I'm ever getting low on credits, I actually get notified about that. So I can go and understand how often is that happening? Is this an application which I need to consider moving to a larger size or to a, a, um, a non-T2 instance? And so we can actually go and uh, show you sort of some of how we can do that. So we can come and create an alarm and we can do that either, uh, the sort of two things that make sense here. One is to alarm on CPU utilization uh, becoming, you know, maybe greater than 50, per, or in this case, maybe greater than 20% uh, over the last six hours. And so maybe I want to know, is my CPU utilization high uh, over periods of time that will be unexpected? Or similarly, I can actually go and create alarms on those uh, unique metrics, the T2s, like the CPU credit balance. Uh, and so I can say if my credit balance goes below 10, uh, and 10 is going to mean for my two uh, cores, I can run for five minutes if I'm running at 100%. So I'll make sure that if that happens for uh, a five-minute period, that I, uh, I'm going to create that alarm. So the CloudWatch alarms here and the CloudWatch metrics that are exposed give you a lot of visibility into this system. Um, so we want to make sure that you have all the tools to understand uh, how to use uh, these things effectively and when they're not fitting your workload perfectly. Can we switch back uh, to the slides? All right. So with that uh, deep dive into kind of some of the mechanics of T2s, I wanted to hand it over to Scott uh, to talk a little bit about how Pearson uh, has been using T2s and how they migrated uh, some of their workloads uh, and got some of the cost savings uh, that we'll talk about a bit later. Thanks. Great. Thanks, Luke. So uh, as Luke said, my name is Scott Burks. Uh, I'm a senior application engineer at Pearson. Uh, mostly what we do is uh, help troubleshoot, monitor, uh, even deploy out instances uh, for the teams and help the teams with that um, into AWS. Um, I assist in all that and uh, even suggest right-sizing of the instances if, uh, if the team needs. So Pearson started uh, building into the Amazon EC2 in 2012. Uh, currently, we have about 120 development teams. These are in uh, the U.S. and in Sri Lanka. Uh, of that, there's 470 applications. Uh, most of these are development applications uh, on Linux instances uh, run in Java APIs. Um, and then we have some that are legacy um, applications that we've kind of force-fitted into the cloud where we could. Um, as you can believe this can lead to a large and growing AWS uh, footprint. So here's some of our numbers. Um, as you can see, the large numbers of instances, uh, we've got a, a large number of elastic load balancers, a lot of uh, storage, along with a lot of DNS records in Route 53. Um, 
as you can imagine, this leads our accounting department to go a little uh, crazy and, and watch our budgeted spend very closely. So had we minimized the spend the best we could? Because um, the nature of our teams uh, and when we started doing the AWS build, a lot of these were in the M1 families, kind of your, your generic um, type of instance, good for everything, good memory, good CPU. Sometimes this was uh, oversized for the application and underutilized. This produced obviously some spends that uh, were unnecessary um, because of the overutilization. Um, so with all of our applications, um, we're still writing obviously, and with traffic increasing on our current applications, how can we grow and increase our number of instances while being fiscally responsible? So what we did was did a migration to T2s. Um, we thought, what about these T2s? About the time we started looking at all this, uh, the T2s were, were, were ramping up, being, uh, being used by other teams. We started investigating and, and evaluating the T2 types. Try to minimize this, the spend, but yet still uh, have the performance and reliability that we would with the other instance types. Um, obviously, these needed, uh, needed to be instances where the application could show a, a low average CPU utilization and you know you had demands on the network occasionally for bursts on the CPU of the network during high traffic times. During, at Pearson, we have what we call back to school time periods. These, we've got uh, students taking tests, students reading books. You got professors putting coursework out there. Real high uh, utilization time, especially on some of the applications. So. What we, what we looked at here were a lot of the T2 micros, T2 smalls, T2 mediums, T2 larges. We thought, hey, you know, these, uh, as Luke had said, these are great fits if you have low CPU utilization. But you also wanted to be able to burst higher than that utilization if need be. So a lot of these turned out to be mediums and smalls, as you can see. Um, you see that because you get a lot of the development teams doing all their development, their testing. Um, because of that, they're, they're hitting a lot of those burst rates. So these were a real good fit there. And again, when we have the back to school time, when we have high utilization, the burst rate's really good. So as you can see from the numbers, these T2s added up to just under 1,200 instance types that got migrated. Um, this turns out to be about 19% of our total number of instances at Pearson. So that's a pretty significant number. And it came along with a significant savings of about 11 to 20 grand a month. Now this makes our accounts obviously happier. So how did we get there? So May through July of 2015, we pushed all our teams to evaluate their applications and what instances they were using. In a lot of cases, uh, M1s. And uh, forced them to migrate off of the M1s. Some teams could 
uh, could do this easily, some not so much. The two factors that would affect the migration, the use of ephemeral storage could affect this. Um, the M1s, obviously you have the ephemeral storage with the T2s, you're strictly uh, left with just EPS storage. So if they needed the ephemeral storage, that migration couldn't happen. The other factor was CPU utilization. As Luke said, your sweet spot's about 5%. So if you have an average of 5%, um, this would be a good candidate for a, for a migration to T2. But if the application uh, demanded higher average rates, um, then T2s wouldn't be the, the right one. So recognizing all these cost savings, migrating off the, the M1s, um, we had a large number of them. These were our recommendations to back to the teams. If you had M1 smalls, you'd go to the T2 smalls. M1 mediums, you would go to the T2 mediums, or if you needed the high CPU or the uh, ephemeral storage, you could use an M3 medium, obviously cheaper than our M1s. Uh, M1 large is obviously T2 large, or an M3 large if you needed the CPU and the storage. And then at the time that we did the migration, there wasn't any uh, T2 extra larges, so we suggested just go into the M3 extra larges. So here's our numbers. As you can see here, uh, even though our, our footprint is always continually changing, particularly with uh, development and staging, and extra applications getting deployed, you can see that there's a significant increase in the usage of T2s. And then, of course, we have a decrease in the number of the M1s that we, we had out there. Some of these numbers don't uh, add up completely just because there were a lot of teams that went to other instance types. Uh, we have a lot of Cassandra databases. They depend a lot of CPU. They couldn't uh, be good candidates for T2s. Our results were, as you can see, an estimated savings of nine to 15,000 a month after we had finished all this up. This was also a great cleanup exercise for the teams. They had to evaluate the needs. They had to evaluate what kind of instances had you uh, put your application into. Was I underutilizing that instance? Um, was the instance too big for my application? Um, and then, of course, uh, as you can see here, the micro, smalls, and the mediums have increased steadily after migration even. Um, so use cases. We had a couple use cases where T2s were really big. One of them was our proxies, our HA and web proxy. The way we have our applications set up, we have uh, elastic load balancers, and then we have proxies behind. These proxies behind served as yet another uh, security and another load balancing feature, but it also offloaded our SSL. Sometimes that offloading of the SSL can, ban, can demand a little more CPU, but again, you're, you're talking about bursts, so this would be a great fit for a, for a T2. With the numbers that you see there, again, you have a lot of numbers in development staging, again, because they're doing testing, they're doing development. Um, 
you're going to get a lot more uh, usage out of the T2 because of the burstable features there. Again, why does it work well with the proxies? Low CPU requirements. Proxies, all it's doing is going to be load balancing, maybe offloading it in SSL. You also have good networking per dollar. So the spending um, would be low. You get great networking out of that. So our guidance to the teams here, this is the sizes and the guidance that we gave them. Network constrained instances being our proxies. As you can see with the, the T2 instances as compared to C4 instances, the number of cores, the amount of network, and then of course the price point, which as you can notice is very, very economical. Now, with the proxies, um, we had some, some, some trouble getting numbers. Uh, Amazon doesn't give any kind of numbers on these, so basically we had to use iPerf and create our own evaluation, set up our own numbers. Here you, you got the graph showing uh, T2s along with uh, M3s and C4 instances. I can think uh, that you might imagine which ones are the T2s? Well, with the bursting feature, it's kind of easy to, to stand out there that that top line there is all the T2s that we have and that we tested with. But even though the bursting nature here for the networking uh, wasn't a critical component for our, our, uh, our tests and our, our uh, instance there, it also proved to be another great Pearson uh, use case for workloads that need great networking uh, throughput, but have but are, are at an intermediate basis uh, in other parts of the company. Our other scenario here are application instances. We have a lot of front-end application servers, whether they be an application server or just a plain web server. Again, the numbers show same kind of trend, a lot of development, a lot of staging, again, because of the testing, the development, performance, um, testing and such. Why do they work well at the application layer? So again, development staging, you're always, always going to have either a low CPU load unless they're doing their testing. So the credits accumulate for those surges during that testing. It's also a good memory per dollar for the Java. So high memory to CPU usage is a great fit for the C2s. Again, here's the guidance we gave our teams. For memory constrained, going from the T2 micro, small, medium, large, and then compared them to R3 larges and extra larges. Again, as long as the instance has a low CPU utilization by average, these are great fits for the application. Because of these findings, um, the, the guidance recommendations came straight from Amazon. We didn't have to do any further testing. And this provides a low spend per gigabit way to scale down instances uh, for the application sizes smaller than 15 gigs, such as your R3 largest. So in summary, T2 instances grew from absolutely none, 0% in the company, 
all the way to 19% of our total instance counts over eight, an 18-month period. They estimated savings for the company by migrating to the T2s was 11,000 to 20,000 per month on average. Um, Right-sizing guidance from the, for the T2 instances, it also supports a lot of other workloads, including the load balancers and our app tier. And with that, I'll hand it back over to Luke. All right, thanks a lot, Scott. So I think the, there's a couple of things that, uh, that Scott mentioned there that I think are really um, interesting to, to kind of call out. Um, one is the, the networking that he mentioned. Uh, uh, I don't know if you caught in that chart um, that uh, as well as CPU bursting, um, T2 instances also uh, give you some amount of network bursting. Uh, and so that means that for workloads which need to, uh, you know, uh, infrequently uh, get a lot of network bandwidth, uh, you can actually get very good um, bursting network uh, performance from a T2 instance. And this isn't something that all uh, instances needed in the, in the use cases that Scott mentioned. They weren't, uh, they didn't need that uh, too much, but it is another interesting thing um, to think about. And I also like uh, the sort of guidance that they, they had in those two examples for those two workloads uh, is really interesting because it shows sort of both of those patterns, both how the smaller uh, T2 sizes can, f can fill out the sort of uh, menu for a lot of different workloads for how you can, if you can um, bring things down to smaller sizes uh, you can fit them into instances, but also how uh, the sort of dollar per gigabyte or dollar per networking can be a really attractive uh, thing with some of these T2 instances. So in this last section, I just wanted to talk about a few kind of tips, uh, things to think about. Um, so the first tip here uh, is some of the workloads that can be really good fits uh, for T2 instances. So one that we know is, is very popular uh, with T2 is the sort of websites and web apps. And this scales sort of across quite a, a broad variety of different kind of use cases. We have tons of sort of that long tail of, of EC2 users who have their, um, their WordPress blog or something like that running on a T2 instance. These uh, blogs and, and other sort of, uh, sort of simple websites tend to be very low CPU utilization, even for reasonably well-trafficked blogs. Uh, uh, and so these are things that can run very easily on top of a T2 instance. So we have a long tail of those. But then even within sort of uh, um, websites for startups or for inside an enterprise environment, uh, we see a lot of sort of web applications uh, being run inside T2 instances because of the generally low CPU utilization. Uh, Scott mentioned development and test a couple times. Uh, th this is one that's a, also a very common pattern we see. Um, Development and test has sort of a few characteristics that are notable for T2s. One is that, uh, it's that it's a very bursty kind of workload generally. It's not something that's seeing your production traffic hitting it all the time. It tends to be something where your utilization of those servers um, is, uh, is more uh, sporadic. And so it's something where T2s can be a good fit. Uh, Scott talked a lot about proxies and load balancers. Uh, virtual desktops is another one. This is one where sort of the end user is, is it's very hard for someone on a virtual desktop scenario to actually use a lot of CPU unless they're doing very specific tasks. Um, and so it tends to be a good fit for these. When you look at virtual desktops run on premises, they're often run on uh, in environments with a lot of oversubscription of the resources, um, partly because of these same, uh, same reasons. Um, continuous integration we talked about and enterprise line of business. And of course, there's things that aren't going to be a great fit. Um, you've got a batch compute scenario. You've got an in-memory database. Uh, these are generally not going to be things where a T2 makes sense. So 
we've talked a lot about kind of the performance, some of the scenarios that make sense, but it's also interesting to think about some of the, the reasons why and the directions why people come to T2 instances. And so these are a few that I've seen and talked to, to customers about. Um, and it's, it's interesting to kind of look at each one of these and how, uh, why T2 makes sense in each one of these cases. So the first one we talked about a bit, C4, uh, sort of M4 large to a T2 large. Um, here you get, you know, a, a, a bit of a, a bit of a cost uh, benefit. It's about 13% right now. In fact, uh, for those who aren't aware, we just dropped prices effective today on both M4s and T2s by 10% uh, in, in higher in some regions. Um, but because we dropped prices on both of these, uh, that 13% still applies. Um, but as well as being cheaper, uh, as we talked about, this instance gets higher burst performance. So you actually get better performance at a lower price as long as you don't use the CPU all the time. The second one, which, um, which have actually seen me even more popular than that, and is one of the reasons why I mentioned uh, T2 mediums are, are, are quite popular, is uh, C4 large to, to T2 medium. And when I say C4 large here, that could be a C3 or you know, any previous generation as well. Um, but in this case, you get an even bigger price uh, uh, benefit. You know, in this case, it's about 50% lower price, so very significant cost savings there. And you get more memory. Uh, you don't get as many, um, uh, well, in this case, you do actually get the same number of vCPUs. But again, if your workload uh, doesn't use the CPU all the time, uh, this can be a really significant uh, cost savings. Uh, a couple other examples about sort of M3 mediums and C1 mediums. Again, uh, these provide uh, significantly lower prices. And of course, T1 micros to T2 micros. If you are still using T1 micros, there really is very little reason at this point uh, to start up a new uh, application running on T1 micros. Um, T2 micros are purely better instances at this point in time, significantly better performance, significantly lower price. Um, and so we, we definitely encourage users who have been using T1 micros in the past uh, to consider moving to T2 micros. And of course, as of yesterday, with the launch of the T2 extra-large and 2 extra-large, we now offer sort of a, a path where that similar thing to the M4-large applies uh, for some of these larger sizes as well, and there's that option uh, to get that uh, lower price and better burst performance. The one last tip I wanted to uh, kind of talk about here is about launch credits. Uh, and this is one that, you know, it's, it's documented in, in the website, but it's something that uh, I've noticed in talking with, with many customers using T2s. Uh, many folks aren't as familiar with, and it's more of a, a little detail, but it's something to, to keep in mind um, just in case uh, um, it impacts you. So I mentioned that every instance, every T2 instance you start uh, gets 30 minutes of credits when it starts. Uh, but this is only true for, the, for 100 instances per 24 hours uh, for any given account. Um, and this limit is one that we have in place to make sure that people don't abuse uh, T2 instances and those launch credits that we offer. Because we give you 30 minutes of credits, we don't want people spinning up an instance and then shutting it down immediately and spinning up a new one and shutting it down immediately and really trying to take advantage of those launch credits um, to, to use that instead of having a, a low average CPU utilization. And so we have this in, in place mostly just as a, as a sort of um, kind of almost a fraud uh, protection uh, measure. But, uh, but it's a limit that we're, we're very happy to increase. Um, if, if you go, go and make a request to increase this limit, uh, we'll just make sure that your, your usage is not uh, uh, really abusing um, the, the T2 model. Uh, and if not, then we'll go ahead and uh, increase that limit. And so this is a limit to if you have the kind of application where you're spinning up lots of these instances, um, but you are doing you know, a substantial amount of work, 
And so, for instance, we've seen this uh, impact customers who are doing things like CI, CD, where they, every time a build comes through, they go and spin up a new instance to, to do the build or to do a, uh, a test run in a test environment. Uh, if you are um, starting up more than 100 uh, instances per 24 hours in your account, uh, this is something to, to watch out for. I, I'd make another case here. Um, I talked a little bit about the CloudWatch uh, metrics and CloudWatch alarms. This is another great uh, one where if you do put those CloudWatch uh, alarms in place, this is something where you'll get that information and make sure that you know that you're hitting these kind of limits um, and can go and uh, put in that request for the instance limit increase. Okay, um, so that just wanted to sort of summarize some of the things we talked about. Um, the first one is T2 instances really can offer great performance at a low cost uh, for workloads which do not need to do CPU all the time. I think you've heard me say that several times. That's really the, the most important thing to take away uh, from this session and when you think about how T2s could fit into your environment. Um, I showed you how the CloudWatch metrics uh, can be used to understand the CPU utilization. Um, this is a really important tool. I think this is one of those places where we really wanted to give you the visibility into the underlying system um, so that you can make uh, the right decisions based on that data. And we've seen from across a wide variety of workloads and from individuals running with their WordPress blogs all the way up to large enterprises running their line of business applications, uh, T2 fits into many different workloads. And really this notion of uh, low CPU utilization is something which isn't about being a, a low performance product. It's really about something that uh, many, many uh, workloads and applications uh, satisfy. And so I encourage you to really think about um, when the applications that you're developing, how many of those really could be uh, things which uh, are candidates um, for a T2. Um, and so with that, uh, I'll actually open it up. If anyone has any questions, I think there's a, there's a mic over on this side and a mic over on this side. Um, we're happy to take a couple of questions, and, uh, and Scott can take any as well uh, if you have them. Uh, and if, if not, uh, we will also be here for a few minutes afterwards to, to take questions uh, in person. So with that, thank you.